Lift to see it, friends, and welcome to the world transformed. This program is your guide to an astounding future that lies ahead, one that will be here sooner than you think, and one that you have an important role to play in bringing about. At the World Transformed, we want to introduce you to what may be the greatest transformation of them all, the one that begins with considering and acting on the almost limitless possibilities that lie before us, and that ends somewhere beyond the reach of the human imagination. So, when does this amazing future begin? Well, today is the day. My name is Phil Bowermaster, and with me in the virtual studio is my co-author, co-futurist, and co-host, Stephen Gordon. Hello, Stephen. Hey, Phil. How are you? Well, I am super fantastic. How are you, my friend? Man, I'm doing great, too. And uh, starting off another great week of uh, podcasting goodness. Can't wait to get into it. We got a bunch of great, a, a bunch of great shows this week, three shows, uh, mm-hmm. all of them awesome in their own way, and I'll tell you, I, I feel like with this show tonight, we're starting Amazing Wednesday a couple days early, just because there's so much amazing stuff to cover, I, I feel like. Well, uh, some of this Monday. is, uh, we got a, we got a couple of great uh, medical stories that, I mean, any one of these, we could, you know, uh, it's so such good news that we could spend a whole show talking about it, but uh, we don't, we, uh, um, so it's not just medical stuff tonight. It's also some other stuff too. So, hey, it's all it's all good. As I said about Friday's show, we can't even devote a whole thirty-minute show to universes colliding. Right? <laughs> and, That's right. And we managed to work cures for cancer and among other topics. So it's just how we roll. Okay, you know we. Uh, there's we, there's we greatness close, and then there's the you know the stuff that's uh, you know. Universe shaking too. We got to cover it all. We we'll do our best. We got to cover it all. There's just too much yeah. good news to go around. So let's not yeah. waste any more time. Let's get going on it. We've got this one, which I think is very cool. A Chinese experiment reaches the space station in historic first. This is very cool. The International yeah. Space Station has become even more international. We know that China is running their own space program and more power. And, and they have a, they have their own space station too, but it's, it's a good bit smaller, isn't it? So a bit smaller than ours. And so some scientists in China who wanted to do some research in space found that, for whatever reason, their space station wasn't available. You know what? The ISS was, and they're going to run their experiment up there. The the experiment has arrived, and some Chinese research is going to be done on the ISS, first time ever. It's interesting to me that one of the things that's talked about in this story that we've got linked is... The fact that there's apparently regulation in place that says that NASA can't cooperate with China in space. Doesn't that seem odd? Uh, when we can cooperate odd. with Russia, then we can't yeah. cooperate with China. Doesn't I mean it's just, it just it seems it like does a very strange thing. It does seem crazy, but you know that, that's a remnant, some sort of Cold War remnant that needs to be yeah. rethought. It needs to be rethought, and you know so. Um, it's interesting. So I guess uh, American astronauts cannot help uh, do this experiment. Uh, it has to be uh, astronauts of different, uh, uh, different. Actually, it's running on the American side of the space station. If I read the, if I read wow. the story correctly, okay. are they the, breaking the reason, their own rules? <laughs> no. The reason this does not break the rules is because it's being done commercially rather than as a NASA initiative or something, something along the way. They, they have parcel well, I, I found it very interesting how it got to the space station. Uh, you know, so a, a, Chinese, a, uh, you know, a Chinese um, experiment gets the ride to the International Space Station on a SpaceX Dragon capsule. There you go. So that is pretty cool, isn't it? I mean, a, a commercial carrier takes uh, China's, uh, uh, you know, you would think that China would have, might have a problem with that. 
uh, that it's a commercial carrier that that gives them the ride. But for whatever reason, they they, they had no problem with that. And, Am uh, I going to be called a bad person if I say well, maybe the name Dragon softened the? Uh, softened <laughs> well, I mean, no, I mean that, that's. Uh, I, I don't see that as culturally. Well, that kind of works. Well, it's, yeah, it's a foreigner, it, but at least they called it a dragon, right? At least right. they had the, the, <laughs> the good taste to name their their rocket after a good animal. I, I think that this shows a real kind of thawing out. China is definitely in their own place with 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 doing what they're going to be doing in space. And and again, I'm actually all for it. I, I'm all for the fact that they're developing kind of a walled garden space program. Um, the fact that there's still a walled garden aspect to NASA, I think that's okay too, because that creates the competitive atmosphere, which keeps more stuff happening in space. It, it, it keeps people eyeing space with a particular objective in mind. When China talks about going to the moon, they sent their rover to the moon a while back, and we got to see some really interesting pictures from that. When, when they talk about having a program that is a source of national pride for China, great. But if they're doing that and they're cooperating internationally, awesome, because more gets done in space. And I feel that, that both of those models working at the same time is kind of the best of both worlds. Let's have, right. we are the world, we are the children of space. But it needs to be friendly competition. It needs yes. to be, um, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to beat you in space, right. But uh, I tell you what, if... Uh, uh, if your Taikonauts get stranded, or if, uh, like in the movie The Martian, we we leave somebody on Mars, you know we're going to help each other out, right? And uh, that's 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 hopefully the uh, the model by which we uh, proceed. We're we are not at war with you guys, um, and, but we will compete, and we're going to give it all we got to uh, to uh, be very competitive and 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 to beat you on that on that field. So I I, I like it. It's a good way of looking at it, Phil. Yeah, yeah, I think I think having space be a competitive place is how we get things done. That's right. how you get to the next the, 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 well, the next it, objective. I would add to that also um, being able to make money there. That's that's uh, that is what's uh, spurring a whole other way of competing, right? That's I mean, right. that's exactly that, that's that's what's beautiful about that. Now we've got businesses in the U.S. competing with each other. Fantastic. That's perfect. Um, so so have the competition occurring at the at the global scale among nations. Have it occurring within countries at the or just at the commercially between between companies awesome i i, I think there's no bad way to do it i i think let's try all the no different wrong models. way to eat a recesses or so yeah that's right it. let's get it done okay all get right. it done get get more stuff going in space anyway it sounds like an interesting experiment they're they're doing there's something around whether space radiation and microgravity cause mutations among antibody encoding genes and how that happens you would think that that's been covered at this point, with all the research that's been done in space. So I'm, I'm wondering if this story doesn't quite catch the nuance. Probably this is a follow-up to, to work that's already been done. And if so, that, that speaks even more to kind of the international cooperation model. But if not, if this has never been looked at before, then you know those results are going to feed into subsequent research done by others in space from China and from elsewhere. So. Well, that's a very that's important good research for doing things like going to Mars, right? If we're going to have a human presence on Mars, they're going to be dealing with a, with with a low to no gravity in the trips going and coming, and uh, also uh, radiation. Uh, so, you know, we need to we need to figure out. Uh, it's it's important research. I'm glad they're doing it. Absolutely. All right. Here's our next story. Super antibiotic is twenty five thousand times more potent 
than its predecessor. That sounds pretty potent. What, what do we know about this story? <laughs> well, uh, we, we know this, that uh, we have been, you know, losing the war against, you know, uh, bacteria. It's just, yeah. They just, they just uh, are, are evolving faster, uh, resistance fa- uh, to our antibiotics faster than we come up with new ones. And part of that is just there's, there's just not a good model for making money, uh, you know, the kind of money you need to make to, to do the R&D to get a new antibiotic. That's, that's, that's part of it. And, uh, it's, and it's getting scary, Phil. It has been. And so this is a kind of a new paradigm here. This is uh, um, this is not just a regular antibiotic, is it? This is this is uh, sort of a new kind of way of fighting it. Absolutely. They 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 talk here about uh, what I liked about what I liked about this story, and, and I don't understand all the all the ins and outs. It is a it, it is an incremental improvement over uh, Van Somen or Van Komen, however that's pronounced. Two. This is this is version three. What I found interesting is it takes a, what they call a what they describe as a three-pronged approach to killing the bacteria. What's what's gone on in the past is we'll kill you one way or the other way, which was a huge improvement over we've got one way to kill you. That that right. that's the original approach with antibiotics, and pretty soon the clever little bacteria are evolving in such a way that they're going, oh well. Um, that's fine. We'll just uh, evolve around that, and now your antibiotic doesn't work. So they come up with two ways. It's like, well, we'll kill you this way. They evolve around that one, but we got you that way too. So that worked very well, and that was a nice kind of a step in the right direction. But the bacteria continues to evolve. So now here we have a three-pronged approach. That sort of makes me wonder, is, is this like how many, how many blades can you load on a disposable razor? Right. Yeah. Kind of. At, kind of at, at, at some point, you know, it's uh, you know, screw it. We're going with you know, ten blades, right? No. Just, <laughs> yeah. At, at some point, uh, there, there's a uh, got to be a diminishing return with this sort of uh, way of doing things. Uh, you know, and I keep I keep waiting for um, you know the uh, there was a an article that was uh, you know this is a good five ten years ago now Phil that was talking about using. Um, I think it was carbon nanotubes to uh, to puncture the walls, you know, of uh, you know, basically a mechanical uh, killing machine uh, that would puncture the walls of the bacteria, uh, so the cell walls. And uh, and my thought was, well, if, if you can figure out a way to deliver that sort of thing, I, I have a hard time, um, you know. I, my thought is, how do you evolve a protection against that? I mean, let's you know, I, it would it would I, I would think it would be quite difficult to evolve a protection against that if uh, if you're only destroying the cells that belong to bacteria and you can differentiate the, uh, between the two, um, right? And you're well, not at that killing, point, killing healthy cells. The, the bacteria has to evolve itself in a puncture-proof direction, and it has to be either so strong or or, uh, or mimic uh, the cells uh, healthy cells. In some way, yes. uh, those those are the two ways uh, it, would, it might go about uh, evolving. But it would be difficult, and uh, I think that we could get ahead in the uh, in the war against uh, these superbugs with something like that. But this is not that. But it's uh, it's a pretty pretty cool, and maybe it will buy some time. Well, well uh, one, one of the researchers says organisms just can't simultaneously work to find a way around three independent mechanisms of action. So, well, don't say can't. You know, uh, yeah, you've, uh, watch Jurassic Park one more time and uh, <laughs> no. well, away. I, I will say that this doctor's knowledge of this is 
more sophisticated than ours. Than, than ours, yes. Our, yes, our yes viewing I, of I, I, but, agreed, agreed. <laughs> but I'm hoping that what that means is if you if you go from one to two, that's exponentially harder, right. and therefore that's why it was a, a big improvement. They they still managed to leap from one to two in their in their defenses, but perhaps he's onto something here. And two yeah. to three is another exponential leap, and that's a little harder, right? Or a lot harder for the for the bacteria to do evolution-wise. I mean, there is one side of this where I go, come on. They're microorganisms. They're not even organisms. They're nothing. All they're doing is trial and error evolution. And right. we're smart. <laughs> this Why should not be a close fight, okay? Yeah, we, but it is. And yeah. it's, it's because, you know, um, you know, when when we have kids, Phil, you know we you know big family is you know uh, four or five kids, right? Bacteria yeah. when they when a bacteria settles down, you know when bacteria fall in love and they settle. Yeah, down, exactly. You know, they two bacteria love each other kids. very much, or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know they have ten thousand kids, and uh, and if any one or two of them uh, has some ability to survive, uh, 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 you know. Uh, their environment. That's that advantageous. That's, that's yeah, right. It's showing up you, know, you may have killed off all of them, but one or two of them, and those one or two pass on that uh, on that advantage to the entire new generation. You got ten thousand, you know, or twenty thousand new kids. You know, the following generation, even though you almost completely wiped them out. It's right. it's that's their advantage. They don't have to be smart. It's just they they just reproduce so incredibly. So. Anyway, you're right though. Uh, it, it it ought to it we ought to be out ahead of it. But uh, the, the you know uh, I th- you know things like this maybe this will buy us some time while we do get out ahead of it. So well, twenty twenty five thousand times more effective sounds good. That's a good start. Yeah, that's a, that's I, that's I'm a step liking, in the I'm right direction. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, good math. So so congrats to this team, and here's here's hoping we hear more good news on this front. Okay, speaking of good news. How about this one? In Switzerland, a giant new machine is sucking carbon directly from the air. This, let me tell you, what, what I like about this story, I feel like we've talked about this kind of thing before. Well, you know, we, we speculated, uh, Phil. It, yes. was, it, was, it was about two or three years ago you and I were talking about um, urban farming in, these, in buildings and things. And, and, uh, and what, what you and I were talking about was that you know, wouldn't it be awesome if we could pull carbon dioxide from the, uh, from the, the, from the air uh, and pump it into these buildings and, and make make these buildings like the best place in the world to grow the food we need right, right there and without even having to transport it. It's right there in New York City or wherever. And you just, you know, um, uh, and then deliver it right there to the to people who need it and maybe on the first or second floor in a supermarket uh, type environment on the first or second floor of the same building. Um, and uh, so you, you accomplish all that, you know, in one go. You get you you are sequestering carbon and, and making food and cutting down on transportation costs and and uh, and the uh, you know uh, the carbon needed to transport the food and everything. You're just we talked about that. It was about two or three years ago. This is actually this that's the program they're doing here. That's what, exactly what they're doing in Switzerland, and it's a, it's I, I think it's amazing. And they even are I, doing I think- it. I'm Go sorry. Ahead. They were. They were. Uh, they're even doing it with a greenhouse, like just like we we had speculated. You know. They they don't call them greenhouse gases for nothing. Okay. Here's the thing. <laughs> exactly. You pull this stuff out of the air, and guess what it does? It makes plants grow better. Yeah. So there's this wonderful synergy between pulling carbon out of the air and growing plants in a in a contained space, growing food in a in a contained space. So everything you just said, right? Urban farms. Yeah. The, the, the whole thing. Now, what I find interesting about this, so fantastic. 
And in fact, they even do the math and they say, all we need is a quarter million of these and we could keep the temperature of the planet from, instead of going up two degrees, it would only go up one degree. I, I think probably according to estimates based on the IPCC report. So beautiful, wonderful solution. I love it. Let's do it. Uh, you know, 250,000 of these plants, you know, everybody do a few thousand of them or whatever. And you're, you're already there. That's, I mean, uh, a project to do this could even jumpstart urban farming. It's just, it's got all kinds of pluses to it. What I find fascinating is the critique of it later right. later in in the story i i am I'm, I'm really intrigued by the fact that um among the skeptics let me just read this among the skeptics are massachusetts institute of technology senior research engineer howard herzog who called it a sideshow during a washington event earlier this year he estimated the total system cost for air capture could be as much as a thousand dollars per ton of co2 or about 10 times the cost of carbon re removal at a fossil fuel plant. At that price, it's ridiculous. This is quoting him to think about right now. We have so many other ways to do it that are so much cheaper, Herzog said. So, so the biggest critique, the, the first critique is not, you can't do this. It's like, there's a much better way to do this, which I find you know, to be kind of an encouraging critique. It's like, okay, great. Well, let's do it at, right by the plant. Uh, you know, let's, let's make it part of the... In fact, let's start building urban farms right next to plants that put out all the CO2. Who, who could well, disagree with that? I would, I would think well, here, here's, the, here, here's my answer to it. Uh, I would say, um, uh, Mr. Herzog, um, you obviously know a lot more about this than I do, but here's the, here's the thing. If it's only one order of magnitude more expensive than the way, you're, than the way it can be done at the fossil fuel plant, you need to also factor in the value of what you're doing with the, with the CO2. Right. You know, um, you know how how is you know can you make up for the for part of the cost? Uh, um, you know because you are also producing food that's local to an urban environment. You know, um, could that could that uh, uh, reduce uh, you know or make up for some of that uh, increased cost? And plus, here's here's the thing: this is a pilot program. You're only ten. You know, uh, it reminds me of the uh, the first vat uh, uh, meat burger. How much did it cost? A million bucks or something like that. Um, and and uh, and they brought that the price down uh, orders of magnitude. Like you know, every year was another order of magnitude. Now you know now we're within just a you know a few dollars of it being uh, uh, competitive with uh, with feedlot uh, meat. And uh, you know it's 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 uh, and I think it'll be in you know uh, that's those burgers will be in our stores within a year you know within a I don't know maybe two or three years uh, right it's, it's coming quickly and it's just the, the price came down because uh, you know you had you had to invest the R and D to make it happen right and uh, and and slowly uh, you you made it cheaper and cheaper over time. This is just the pilot program. If it's only ten times more expensive than uh, doing it at a fossil fuel plant, that's encouraging. Uh, and it's, and 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 I doubt that he is uh, including the value of uh, of the greenhouse uh, in an urban environment uh, uh, when he's uh, when he's critiquing it. I really do. So it could, could if be. everything he says is uh, true, then I'm actually encouraged by that. Well, uh, to, to so. me, I, I'm I'm just encouraged by everything between the lines of what he says. Right. To, to, to me, it's like, sure, let's let these guys fight it out because these are both – what these guys are doing is awesome, 
Right. And what he's saying is really going on that people should be paying more attention to sounds pretty good too. <laughs> you know, you know uh, it's, it's, it's sort it's, of it's like, like well, why are you paying attention to them? Look, we're doing this thing that's ten times more effective. I'm like, good, okay, good. Yeah, <laughs> well, uh, more power to you, uh, uh, you guys at MIT. Y'all, y'all keep working on the way to remove uh, carbon at the fossil fuel plant. But hey, what they're doing is pretty great too. So yeah, um, yeah. To, to, to me, the fact that he's Swiss critiquing it, this is the this is the kind of critique we always need. Need yeah, in the world, right. the, the critique that says, "Oh, we can do that cheaper, and we're already doing it." And you know, it's like, okay, good. You know, this is a problem that that we want to see solved anyway. What the, what what Climeworks is doing sounds awesome, and I think they need to they need to they need to keep at it. And whatever whatever these guys at MIT are doing also sounds great. Now, there, there's the other critique where I do want to take issue with the with the critics because. As far as I'm concerned, Herzog, you know, keep 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 crit- criticizing this one in favor of yours. That's great. Um, these uh, uh, in in 2015, the National Academies of Sciences, Engineering, and Machine released a report saying climate intervention technologies like air capture were not a substitute for reducing emissions. Last year, two European scientists wrote in the journal Science that air capture and other negative emissions technologies are an quote unjust gamble, distracting the world from viable climate solutions. Now. That's th- these are the folks I'm really going to take issue with, okay? Yeah. Because if this is the crisis that we are told that it is, then you got to throw everything at this thing. Right. Right. You, you. It is not something that you can count on governments passing policies and lining up behind. It is something where you say, well, we're, we're going to try that, but anything else that might work, we're going to try that too. If the whole future of all living things on the planet are at stake, these critiques seem, I don't know, naive to me. They, they yeah. seem... Uh, well, think about it this way. If, uh, if at the beginning of World War II, uh, you know, the United States uh, decided, you know what, um, uh, improved uh, airplanes and improved guns and improved tanks are an unjust gamble. We got to win this war, you know, uh, with proven technology. Right. You know, you know, that's that's crazy. You know, I the you 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 know, I, United States uh, uh, went into this war mentality because it was something that had to be done, right? And so they put everything into it, and and that included taking some gambles, right? Uh, to uh, and and and, uh, and and some things that uh, didn't pay off. You know, they, they there's there's uh, uh, pretty wild stories about uh, uh, you know making ships out of icebergs and uh, and uh, it, was, right. it was it was a ship that was made out of ice and sawdust or something. I, I forget if that was the Brits or if the United States was experimenting with that in World War Two. I mean, just some just some wild, bizarre things that the, that was tried and. Uh, but uh, look at the state of technology at the beginning of the war versus the end. And right. a lot of, quote, unjust gambles were made because it was important. Well, if this is important. If you, you know, if, if uh, climate change is the important thing that, you, were, you know, that uh, we you know, are told that it is, then you've got to take some gambles. And some of them are going to turn out to be, uh, you know what, that's just not, that, you know, that, that didn't work out. Yeah, that's how fine. do you quantify the idea of an unjust gamble? Yeah. If, if what's at stake is at well, stake. I think it, it makes it sound like well, you know, you just need to put more money into my pet project. Uh, I think this is uh, well, uh, and, and here's the thing, that, which is very similar to what the other guy says. Yeah. But from the other guy, I feel like okay, but but generally he's saying there should be more ideas. We should try more things. 
Right. Down here, these folks are saying, my way or the highway, and there should be fewer ideas. So I, I'm, I'm okay with the guy saying there should be more ideas, and here's another one, versus people saying, go figure, I'm on the side of more ideas. Who would have guessed, right? That, that's, <laughs> that's kind of where we come down on this show. Hey, let's try some things, and also let's come up with other things we haven't even thought of yet, because that's how you solve problems. That's how you win wars. You know, and that's and how you, how you solve huge problems like wars are, are climate change. You just yeah. got to try a bunch of things, and you know what? Even the failures you learn from. You know, exactly. I mean, uh, or I think was it uh, uh, the, in the invention of the light bulb? There, you, you, you know, had ten thousand ways not to make a light bulb, right? Before there you, you go, and before you're successful, it's just you gotta you gotta try a lot of things before you solve big problems. There you go. All right, in our final moments here. A Brit scientist could be about to cure multiple sclerosis. This is the story that gave our show its title and provide hope for millions. Save the best for last, or arguably the best, anyway. You can, you, 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 those listening at home, keeping score, you can argue amongst yourselves which is the best of these stories. This is my personal favorite, okay? I'm yeah. very, very excited about this because they don't hedge much at all here. Usually you, yeah. you read something like cure multiple sclerosis, and in fact in the headline they have the word cure in all caps. And then they go, okay, well, what's it really going to be? There are a few people who maybe can benefit from this treatment or something, or something along those lines. And no, this Dr. Sue Metcalf, this researcher, this, this scientist in Britain, looking at immune response, says, I discovered a small binary switch controlled by LIF, which is uh, this uh, mechanism they're, 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 they're talking about, which regulates inside the immune cell itself. LIF is able to control the cell to ensure it doesn't attack your own body, but then releases the attack when needed. So they are, they are hitting multiple sclerosis where it lives. This is, it yeah. kind of hails back to the antibiotic story, right? This is a very specific treatment for, for multiple sclerosis, and it kills it. It takes it out. Yep. And the thing is, Phil, it's so many things that uh, this could, this could be, you know, benefit. I mean, we're, we're talking about um, you know, immune problems. I mean, right. this, this could take out, you know, if, if, if somebody's suffering from a dangerous allergy, you know, mm -hmm. if, if, um, this sort of treatment could potentially help with that. Uh, inflammation, it's, you know, recently we've learned that inflammation has more to do with, with heart attacks than most anything else, and that's an autoimmune response. Right. And so what if uh, we're, we're able to control inflammation within the body so that uh, you, know, you reduce your risk of a heart attack by 90% or something? That's, this, is, you know, this, is a, this is a whole new branch of medicine just about, and it's not just MS. Although, I mean, if all she manages to do is uh, uh, rid the world of that scourge, then, you know, um, she, she is deserving of all the accolades we can give her. But I think it's bigger than that. And, uh, what, what, a, what a wonderful thing to say about a story. Yeah. When you say, you know what, they said she's going to cure multiple sclerosis, but they buried the lead, okay? <laughs> yeah. It could very well be that uh, heart attacks become so, so rare that someone has one in a major city that, and, and it makes the front page. That's what we want, right? Yeah, um, this, this, is, this is a whole new ball game. Yep. Potentially, here's hoping with a, with a lot of autoimmune diseases. And right. as you said, if if all she's able to do is cure MS, you know, okay, we'll take that too. Uh, <laughs> according to the story, 2.3 million globally. 
people globally. Terrible disease, a terrible, debilitating, progressive disease that uh, it's just what could be more encouraging college, than, than yeah. that being cured. It's just wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, a good friend of mine from college uh, has, has suffered with it, and it's just it's, to see it up close uh, and what it does to people is uh, it's it's heartbreaking. Yeah, and and man, if she could if she could uh, take out MS, that would be awesome. So yep, absolutely yep. fills fills us with hope. Look forward to hearing more on this and hearing confirmation that they really have cured MS. Well, that's going to do it for our. Monday edition of Amazing Wednesday. We're going to come back on Wednesday with the, the rest of our Amazing Wednesday. Stephen, it's been great talking with you. It's been great having you all with us. We look forward to having you with us again on Wednesday. And until next time, live to see it.